Hello and welcome to Connected episode 258. It is made possible by our sponsors, Eero, Hello, and DoorDash. I am Stephen Hackett and I am joined for the first time in a long time by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. This is not this is not the bot speaking. This is actually me. You heard that, huh? That's really cool. Huh? <laughs> isn't that isn't that what a bot would say? Yeah, that's true. He's become well, self-aware. Well, that's up to you to decide. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mastered the, you know, artificial intelligence of my replicant. <laughs> wow. And that's who you're doing a podcast with. Who knows? Maybe. Whatever works for you, man. Yeah. And uh, Mike Hurley is here as well. Hello. I'm in a cupboard. Explain. Uh, so I'm still in San Francisco, California. I'm leaving this evening. Mm-hmm. And the hotel room <laughs> that I'm in is very echoey. Mm. So I have recorded two shows so far from inside of a wardrobe where the mini bar is. There's like a mini bar and like are you, a clothes. Are you drinking? No, right now. No, no. Uh, okay, that's like a whole other thing. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so I'm in. A, I'm in a very small room. Um, I will send you both a picture of of me in the small room. Uh, it's like it is a wardrobe. It has a, the mini bar and the safe in it. Um, and I am using the ironing board. As a desk. It's good. Uh, because it's a life hack. There's no desk, obviously, because it's a wardrobe. Why would they put a desk in it? So uh, that's where I am. But the problem was I was recording before this. Uh, so I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I will use my very powerful external battery pack to power my MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. But the MacBook Pro would not accept that. It would start the charge and then the charge would just stop again even though it mm-hmm. should be powerful enough to do it, but I don't know why that's not working. Steven said sometimes it doesn't work. I don't know why. So now I have my laptop. I mean, there's no Obviously, there's no power in the cupboard, right? So now my sure. laptop is outside the cupboard being powered, and I am inside with my iPad getting real work done. There's probably power behind that mini fridge somewhere, but you don't want to unplug that or they'll charge you for the whole thing. You should have unplugged the mini fridge. I had to turn off the mini fridge because otherwise you make a noise. And it looks like that the power is built in behind the wall, probably to stop me from unplugging it, because Mm -hmm. the cable from the mini fridge goes into the wall, and I'm not going to start trying to break the wall down just to to get power. You should have ripped off, ripped the cable off the wall. You should have done that. I don't know why insurance is going to cover that for you. Ripping? No, I don't think that's true. Ripping the cable. (laughs) I don't know why that would help me in any. How it's like I can't like just take the cable from the even if out of spite. Oh, for, for, it'll make you feel better. What, but who who am I spiting? Nobody, you know. But anyway, I also have. I don't know. <laughs> I have limited beverages here. I have a very small amount of water because that's just where I am in my life. So maybe at some point in the episode, I'll break into the mini bar. There is water in there, is what I'm saying. Um, but we'll we'll see how that goes. We can we can check in for frequent updates on my mini bar situation if you want. Yeah, I'm taking a look at the picture right now. Don't touch those peanuts, or you're gonna die. All right, good, so, good. I'll get my hand out of the peanut jar, so that's good news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything else should be fine. I mm-hmm. see potato chips. Nice. Okay. So I'm sure it's... Would you like some prices? Please. So, uh, the what What would you like to know? The price of the chips? Yeah, and the M&Ms, maybe. What are the M&Ms? The M&Ms cost? are $14. Oh, that oh. seems like a lot. It's a lot for M&M's. I'm trying to, Oh, the kettle chips are $5. That's an expensive bag of chips. The water that I may need... Um, where is that on this list? 
uh, $8. That's a very expensive bottle of water. Which is which is not cold anymore either, which, you know, I feel like I should have to complain about. Because someone turned it off. There's a can of blue bottle coffee in here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And a bottle of Casanoble tequila. We'll see where the episode goes. Just don't eat, don't eat while on the show because it's disgusting. Never do that. Otherwise, you. Yeah, I know you get very upset about that. I never eat on shows, but I wouldn't do that. Please, (laughs) please. I know. (laughs) Now I really want to, but I'm not going to. Do you get upset when people eat on phone calls, or is it just podcasts? No, I get upset with all kinds of of eating noises on any kind of audio audio transmission. Ah, it's an audio transmission only. Okay, okay. Well, in real life, I can manage it better. But for example, Sylvia has a real problem, whereas in, in real life... If somebody makes any weird mouth noises mm. while eating, mm-hmm. she gets super itchy and like it's she, she can't stand it. Um, my main problem is just audio. I just think it's disgusting. It's like the opposite of ASMR. Like it's something that makes me want to die inside. <laughs> <laughs> so please never do it. I would love you to actually share how you really feel, which would be good, because I feel like I don't fully understand how you really feel. Yeah. Just tell us like exactly how you're feeling about this. It is it is uh it is sonic torture for me. That sounds like a that's a good that's a very good band name. <laughs> well go. it's a promising name for a band. Moving on, we have been reporting in every once in a while on our beta statuses. We're going to talk about iOS 13.1 here in a few minutes. But I am now, uh, have I have boarded the beta train on my MacBook Pro. It is running Catalina natively with all my stuff on it. And just today I put my iPhone on the iOS 13 beta. So I'm living that sweet, sweet beta life now with Federico on everything except my iMac Pro, which will remain in Mojave for the foreseeable future. So uh, why did you put it on your phone? I wanted to. So some of the stuff I'm thinking about writing about is sort of cross-platform, and I feel like the iPad gives me most of that. But I don't use my iPad as a daily device like y'all do, so I kind of want to experience it on the phone. So wow, okay, the Seems shade, fine. I get Seems it. Fine, okay. Yeah, it, it it upgraded really easily, and everything seems fine. It's not even hot, so hopefully it's it's okay. We have a little bit of follow-up from our Family Feud episode, which was last week, episode 257. If somehow you haven't heard that yet, you should go check it out. It was a whole lot of fun. We had a lot of questions about video of the show. And so there, the venue did record video of the event. I have not gotten the video yet, but if that ever materializes or when it materializes, we will share it uh, far and wide so you can watch the two-hour event. I think it is helpful like you can totally keep up with it in audio, but I think the video will add a an extra element of uh, of joy if you enjoyed it. So we'll uh, we'll be sure to mention that here if that gets uh, gets done and gets on on YouTube. But we didn't want to promise it beforehand because I wasn't sure, and it seems like it all got recorded. So also during that show, Mike's first podcast appearance, which was on Dignation in 1976, that was yeah. uh, brought up, and I had requested that people send me. A photo, if they could find it, of Mike on that show. It was in my mentions within minutes of me saying it on stage. I had Twitter open on my laptop just to make sure, you know, if the live stream died or something. And all of a sudden, these pictures started pouring in. So that is a link in the show notes. And if you haven't seen this picture, you really should. This is not Mike, right? This this is really you? That's me. 
That's me. Wow. That is actually me. Yeah. It's in the show notes. That is me. That's what I look like without a beard and longer hair. Well, you were like 12. I was, I don't know, 18 maybe, 17, 18 probably, something around that time. Wow. There is a, so the way that this person found it, so Ryba found it, it's kind of cheating, right? And I knew that this would happen. This came up years ago on The Pen Addict. Mm. So you'll see that the the the, po- the image, the Droplet link is 2016. See, that's dated. It's 2016. Because I uploaded that photo. So if you are a pen addict listener, you know that this was there. So all you had to do was search the show notes. So I wondered if that was how anyone was going to pick it up. And that was how it was picked up, is my assumption. But there you go. There's a treat for people. So if you want to set that as your iPhone wallpaper, let me know. I, of course, have many more photos of myself uh, of, 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 from this time, because who doesn't have pictures of themselves, especially when they were that age and MySpace existed? Uh, I'm considering maybe unearthing some of these pictures uh, for our St. Jude fundraiser, but we'll see about that. So let's talk about that. I would like to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, and... Listeners will know we've raised money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital for years now. I've got a son who's a patient there, and thanks to their hard work and amazing technology and science, he is doing really well. But every year, I, we work in September to raise money for the hospital, and we're doing it on, a, on an all-new scale this year. Relay FM is St. Jude's first official podcast partnership, which is really cool. We're really excited about that. And you can go to stjude.org slash connected to learn more and to donate. And this money goes to funding the hospital. So patients and their families never receive a dime for any care they receive at St. Jude. We've been there for a decade, and it means uh, a whole lot that people around the world support this mission and support this work. So uh, go check it out, stjude.org slash connected. Yep. We're going to be talking about this a bunch over the next couple of weeks, but please go and give some money now. Uh, we have already raised over $9,000 to our $75,000 goal. So thank you to everybody that's done that after hearing us talk about it for the first time last week. But we have a lot of exciting things coming throughout September um, that's going to help us get to the goal that we want to reach. Uh, we should also mention just briefly, August is the end of Relay's membership drive. And our membership special will be, will be coming out September 9th. We're a little bit behind just because there's so much travel. Uh, but Federico, do you want to tell the audience what we'll be doing on our membership special? Well, I was informed. Actually, I, I am being forced into watching what essentially amounts to uh, a um, homemade movie <laughs> of <laughs> a, a, a so-called, so-called. quote-unquote, actor... Um, <laughs> about Steve Jobs. So this, I'm get, So this is the Michael Fassbender portrait. He said his name, if it can be called as such, of of Steve Jobs. Uh, it's the, the screenplay by Aaron Sorkin. I have no idea how and why Aaron Sorkin uh, lent his talents to this really amateur production. Um, featuring an actor that nobody knows about. Still, I'm guessing that they stole the screenplay, maybe. I don't know. Um, we're going to watch that movie. We're going to share our impressions of that movie. Um, and it's going to be a me- our member special, and you can expect all kinds of hot takes from me and about the movie. And because I already watched it once in Italian, going to watch it again in English. Um 
Wait, you've seen it? I've seen the movie. It was on TV last year. And I think I saw, I sent you guys even a photo of, you know, I took a photo of the TV and I was like, hey, look at the actor guy. I don't remember you having seen that. So I'm going to watch it again in English on my Apple TV. Um, and we're going to talk about it. Especially, I guess we're going to compare it to the Pirates of the Silicon Valley, which we did last year, I think, as the member special episode. So uh, we continue our tradition of Steve Jobs movies with uh, with the it just called Steve Jobs this one I think mm-hmm. it has no mm-hmm. no subtitle no no of course because it's an amateur production so yeah uh, I believe that it was rumored that Stephen you will be attempting to fact check this movie was that rumored I believe that was your suggestion or I suggested it upon you but I would like yeah. you to do your best to fact check this movie yeah and uh, so there's a link to it to the IMDb page in the show notes. It is, I could not find it on Netflix, but it is available for like $4 on Amazon Prime Video. I think it'd be fun if you're really a FM member to watch it in advance. You can have it in your in your mind as we go through and talk about it. We're not liable for any damage you do to your television set while watching it, though. I'm going to buy it on iTunes just because I think that's funnier. Oh, I am too. Might as well give in the money. My first impression, if I remember correctly, is that while I watched the movie in Italian, I wish that Seth Rogen played Steve Jobs instead of Fassbender. So we'll see how it goes on my second watch. I think well, we need to dig into that, but we haven't got the time right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in our member special, because I can't Seth fathom this. Been, should, all right. Seth, Seth Rogen should have been Steve Jobs. That's all then who would have played was. And it just carries, <laughs> please, Stephen, take us to a break. We can't do this now. <laughs> This episode of Connected is brought to you by Eero. Eero is a game changer when it comes to home Wi-Fi because it means you can actually access the internet from anywhere in your house. You know, there's always one that one room with the unreliable Wi-Fi connection or maybe a cupboard while you're podcasting in a closet. And there's nothing more irritating than watching your favorite show or streaming something and then it's stopping to buffer. Eero fixes all this because it blankets your home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi so you can consistently have strong signal wherever you need it. It sets up in just minutes. They have a great iOS app that makes it really easy to get everything going. You just plug it straight into your modem or router and you're off. You can even manage it, like I said, from this iOS app right in the palm of your hand on your iPhone. It lets you do cool stuff like pause the Wi-Fi maybe when everyone's eating dinner you can get alerts if any devices try to join your network, and on and on. Eero has fixed all of the Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots, no more buffering. I've been using Eero in my home for a long time now. I have two of the base stations and several of the uh, the remote stations that have the lights in them where you plug them in. And it's just great to be able to walk across my house or my yard to come out to the studio and never get dropped. Very often I'm on a phone call or a FaceTime call and I'm roaming around and Eero just blankets everything in that nice, warm, cuddly Wi-Fi. You can get your home Wi-Fi fixed as soon as tomorrow. Go to Eero.com slash weirdfish and enter the code weirdfish at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order. That's eero.com slash weirdfish, code weirdfish at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free overnight shipping our thanks to era for their support of this show and relay fm all right federico you have a tweet up where you have continued to modify mm-hmm. your ipod your ipad situation so what have you done this time uh put more stickers on top of the smart keyboard folio this is for my 12.9 inch ipad pro i bought these stickers from amazon and they're probably illegal in the sense that I, i'm not sure if the 
original artists for these illustrations and brands are getting paid. But, you know, they were available on Amazon for like three euros. That's, that's Amazon's problem. That's not your problem. You know, sometimes you got to put the morals aside and just be part of capitalism. And that's what I did for these stickers. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I put more stickers in and I bought an additional set of kickstands. These are the Spigen metal kickstands that we, much to Mike's entertainment, we talked about a few months ago. I sent Mike some pictures, and then I did an article about them. They are originally intended as smartphone kickstands, uh, but I sort of, uh, you know, inspired by a fellow Mac Stories reader who disappeared in the void of Twitter. He never texted me or, or wrote to me again. Somebody inspired me to do this months ago, and I kept doing it. So initially, I only used two kickstands, to enable a software keyboard typing mode. So fold the keyboard, the physical keyboard, under the cover by using the kickstands to create an angle. So you could use the iPad in, in software, you know, in touch typing mode. I recently realized that if I, that if I put two additional kickstands on the opposite end of the cover, I could create a movie watching mode. So let the iPad uh, stand upright and use the keyboard essentially as a base for the entire thing. Uh, both of these modes are enabled, are possible uh, with the smart folio. So not the smart keyboard folio, the regular smart folio without the keyboard. The keyboard version doesn't allow this because it doesn't fold. Right. It doesn't have the same origami system of the smart folio. So with the kickstands, I can sort of replicate that experience. And now I have a movie mode that I can use uh, You know, when I want to watch some YouTube in bed with the big iPad Pro. I can just put the iPad Pro essentially on my chest, you know, because I'm lying in bed, and make it stand upright with the kickstands and watch some video. I've also tried playing video games with the DualShock controller connected to the iPad Pro in this mode, and it works really well. So I, I think I'm done with the modding uh, for now, uh, well. and I actually quite like the results. I have a concern about your iPad. Okay. What has happened to the USB-C port? Yes, I was just going to ask this. It's all worn away. I know. I have no idea. I don't do anything particular to that USB-C port. I just plug and unplug cables. Maybe the problem is the cables that I use. Maybe they create too much friction against the side, the edge of the iPad. And that discoloration, I have no idea. Are you using any of those dongles or anything? Like the hyperdrive? You're not using anything like that? No. No, I, I only test them every once in a while, but I don't usually attach them. I think it must be one of the cables that I have uh, that maybe, you know. I mean, are you like rubbing it around? So so this, this picture, you have a space gray iPad Pro and the, the space gray anonymization is like rubbed off and you can see silver. But it's not just around the USB-C connector. It's also like below it in a line. Yeah. Are you just like rubbing the, the rubbing around? I'm zooming and enhancing right now on these mm. images. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, <laughs> I don't understand what's happened. I find it I find it very surprising the amount of people that were extremely concerned about this. Um mm. I don't particularly care about you know, having my devices look used. Um, it's it's, ele- it's electronics that are meant to be used, they're meant to be handled 
like I don't have a problem with it. Like I'm not disappointed at you. I'm just intrigued, right? Because like I have two space gray iPads and don't have this. Like so, I just wonder, like, what and you is don't it have the problem? that's doing? No, yeah. I don't. No, my iPad's silver, but it's smooth. I don't have any roughness around it. I mean, it's yeah, I don't know. It's strange. It just caught my. Eye. I agree with you. These things should be used. And like, look, I can't judge anybody for damaging an Apple product. How many iPhones have I been through in the course of this show? But yeah, it just it just caught my eye. That's all. No, I get it. Um, I think because of these. Um, and even if only because I actually prefer the look now that I have one, I am my next iPad Pro is probably gonna be silver. I have the the eleven inch iPad Pro is a silver one, and I think I prefer the look of the edges. Uh, as time has gone on, I think I prefer that to the space gray. So my next one probably not gonna be space gray, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't particularly care about the you know that problem right there in the photo. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I have no idea. I, maybe it's the way that I put it in my bag, or maybe I, I have no idea. I, mean, I don't rub anything against the iPad, really. <laughs> I don't. I don't play with the connector in any way. It just. I don't know. Maybe it's one of the cables that I use that has like the top edge is rubbing against that the iPad in a weird way. I don't know. I have a. I have a theory, Federica. What does the other side look like? Is that is it worn away on the other side? No, because I'm wondering if it's your rings. I'm looking now. Is it jewelry that's doing it? I uh, could be. Yeah, totally. Right, because be. you have those big chunky rings <laughs> that you use that you walk around town with, so you can make your mark in things. And the way you hold your iPad, I bet you hold it just there, and I bet that's what I bet it's rubbing against it. I'm a detective. And the right True Detective side. season four features and, me. And the. <laughs> and the right side is where I got a salmon slide over. So that totally makes sense that I would bump my fingers w- with the rings on the right side. And that's what caused the problem. I think you got Did it. Did it. Wow. Did it. That's amazing work, Mike. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you. I had to go into my mind palace to get that one. Just while we're talking about silver versus space gray. I think I'm kind of over space gray as a product color. Like my laptop is silver, my iPad is silver, and I really like it. Like I like the crisp kind of look and this sort of thing doesn't happen where if you if you get nicks and, and dings and stuff, you don't you don't get silver shining through. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm in the camp of doing silver on Apple products, not not space gray. I think this is one of those things of like it's like a what you're used to, right? Like you, you use space gray for a long time, so now you're like silver seems new and nice again right like because i see whenever i see like silver ipads i'm like oh man i forgot about that so i can understand where you're coming from but you had one for eight years right like before space gray was an option yeah but i'm a professional so i have to use space gray oh yeah it's true uh up next in our it's not a tiny topic it's topic 0.5 mario kart tour coming on september 25th what's this about mike federica did they change the name of this I'm sure it was like Mario Kart World Tour or something like that. But Mario Kart Tour is a mm. is a smartphone game. It's going to be on iOS and Android, but it seems like it might be coming out on iOS first. You can pre-order it now. Um, it is, in essence, what everybody thought that has been thinking about this. Like, It's not going to be Mario Kart like you know it. It is going to be a smartphone interpretation of Mario Kart. So a portrait game where you're basically using your finger or your thumb to swipe left and right to kind of control the the, the cart, right? You are going forward mm-hmm. and you're, you're moving left and right to control the cart. Um, it looks okay. I mean, it's going to be full of uh, microtransactions micro and stuff like that would be my expectation. Yeah. Um, and so, we'd, you know, that uh, if you didn't think 
think that this game was going to be that. Like, I I love you, but you were way too hopeful. Um, Nintendo mm-hmm. were, were were very unhappy with the money made from um, uh, Super Mario Go Run, and that was a pay. You know, like you got like a first few levels and you paid for it. Uh, they're not going to do that again. So this game is going to be full of in-app purchases. And let me tell you, I want to give you a breakdown of the available in-app purchases. We have rubies at three times three times ten times twenty-three times forty-eight times seventy-five and times one hundred and thirty-five, and they are at varying prices from one ninety-nine to thirty-eight ninety-nine. There are two things called gold pass, which is four ninety-nine, and something called special offer, which is nineteen ninety-nine. So. It seems like maybe buying tracks and buying rubies to give you lives or like lives or like other things. Uh, the game is free to start with in-app purchase available, is what it says. So there's going to be a ton of things that you can buy, and it's going to be a bunch of different microtransaction mechanics. And I'm sure that's just the way it's going to be. It looks like from the screenshots that you need like different points to unlock different carts. It's going to be like a, a in-app purchase festival over there on mario kart tour Mm -hmm. but i bet it's going to be really nice and it's going to be a nice little simple game to play um there is another nintendo game that came out recently didn't really make much of uh, a splash and and i actually have not played it which is dr mario have you played the dr mario ios game federico no i haven't no never been a fan really uh yeah dr mario isn't my isn't my jam which is why I, i didn't play it and i tried downloading it and I opened it and it's like you're not connected to the internet, and I was just like, "Oh, go away, go away, Nintendo." I and think. that's like puzzle games, right? Like it's yes, it's closer to Tetris than anything else. Okay, but uh, yeah, Mario Kart Tour is one that I will be checking out because I tend to like these kinds of games anyway, right? It's like a simple, quick iOS game, mm-hmm. um, and we'll see. We'll just see just how in-app purchasey it is. I enjoyed the comments of some Apple observers that i that i follow on twitter or there or that sometimes pop up in my timeline of why isn't nintendo making actual you know paid up front ios games well guess why because they have a console and that's you know they're using ios games for what they're good at so far to drive sales of the real games on the nintendo switch which is selling and going really well if they put real Mario Kart for $5 on the App Store, how are they going to sell Mario Kart for $40 on a Nintendo Switch where they get all the money yeah. rather than having to hand over some to Apple? Yeah. Are we surprised this isn't being held for Apple Arcade? I would expect Nintendo still think they can make more money of in-app purchase than they can with Apple Arcade. Hmm. Okay. Plus, this game is not going to be exclusive and Apple want that. Right. Okay. So... Mike, you have some folding phone news again for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> As expected, the Huawei Mate 10 has officially been delayed. So, um, Oh, what a shocker. Huawei has said there is no possibility of a September launch date, but they are certain it will launch by the end of the year. Uh, we're in. We're at the end of August, and we still don't have a, def- a defined date. It would seem about when the uh, Galaxy Fold is coming out, but yeah. Samsung have said uh, September, so, you know soon it's going to be a big episode when that one thing when that thing finally comes out so i'm excited still but uh, who knows you said the perfect thing about the galaxy fold that everyone you know will want to see it and that is how i feel about it i want to see it i want to fold it a few times and i want to hand it back to you mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to that interaction there's a pre-registration page in china but i can't really do anything about that right now all right we're going to talk about ios 13.1 the beta that surprised I think just about everybody. But first, I want to tell you about our second sponsor, 
This episode of Connected is brought to you by Hello. Hello makes insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows. I don't know if you've tried a buckwheat pillow, but it's actually pretty different from like your regular fluffy pillows because it supports your head and neck. It doesn't collapse under the weight of your head like a traditional pillow. We think we've all had that, right? You toss and turn in the middle of the night because your pillow has been squished by your head. Uh, buckwheat pillows, they don't, they don't do that. Hello stays cool and dry compared to f- the feather or foam pillows we're used to. Plus, it tends to breathe better, meaning it doesn't get all warm and humid. So there's no more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. You can add or remove filling to suit your needs so your pillow can be just the way you like it. And it actually turns out buckwheat pillow has been around a long time. They're very popular in places like Japan. And apparently they also appear on the pillow menus at fancy hotels. Mike, you seem to be in a fancy hotel. Is there a pillow menu? No, and I miss my buckwheat pillow. I have a hollow pillow at home, and I hate the pillows in this hotel, and I want my hollow pillow back, and I cannot wait to be sleeping on it the next time I sleep. I don't know exactly when that's going to be yet, but I leave San Francisco today. But I cannot wait to be back home on my hollow pillow. Hello is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. They use certified organic cotton for their cases, which are cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled right here in the U.S., so here's the deal. You can sleep on a hollow pillow for 60, 60 nights. And then if you decide it's not for you, you can send it back for a refund. Just go to hollowpillow.com slash connected right now to get and try your own buckwheat pillow. That's H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W, hollowpillow.com slash connected. And if you buy more than one, so maybe you and a special friend, they have a special discount for up to $20 off depending on what size you're looking at. They have free, fast shipping with every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, you keep it, and if you don't, just send it back. Head on over to hellopillow.com slash connected. Our thanks to Hello for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Federico, walk us through the last 24 hours of iOS 13 and now 13.1. Oh, God. Um, well, so... We were all expecting to see iOS 13 beta 9 yesterday or sometimes this week. Instead, Apple surprised us and before iOS 13 is even out, they have released the first beta of iOS 13.1. So the next major point update to iOS 13 is already in testing with developers and now with the public because the public beta is also out. And iOS 13.0, the you know the, the the basic version, also still in beta, but we're not sure what's gonna happen. In the sense that speculation right now suggests that Apple needed to finalize iOS 13.0 in order to install it on the new iPhones that are supposedly right now currently in production in China for release in in September. Um, So iOS 13 is pretty much done. It's pretty much, you know, whatever, beta 8 or a slightly updated version of beta 8 that Apple has. That's been wrapped up. That's done. And it's going to be installed on the new iPhones. And it's going to be released to the public as iOS 13. The problem is that some of the features that Apple promised as part of the iOS 13 fall update were removed from iOS 13 beta a few weeks ago, namely audio sharing with AirPods, automations in shortcuts, conversional shortcuts, 
um, basically the ability to uh, interact back and forth with a shortcut using Siri. Uh, and they have a bunch of other features that were removed and we were all expecting them to come back eventually in iOS 13 beta 9 or beta 10 or whatever. And instead have been rolled into iOS 13.1. So those features are coming back, but they're coming back in iOS 13.1. We don't know when iOS 13.1 will launch to the public. So in looking at previous trends and previous patterns, we know that, for example, last year, iOS 10.1, which also contained new emoji, launched at the end of October. And I think it was pre-installed on the new iPad Pros. Now, does Apple want to release iOS 13.1 at the end of October? A full month, probably even more, 45 days or something, after the theoretical release of iOS 13? I guess we're all expecting iOS 13 to launch on or around September 16th. Does Apple want to wait a month and a half? to push this update. Can it come out earlier than that, maybe? We don't know. So if you guys allow me, I prepared a list of all the features that I spotted in iOS 13.1. And I guess we can have a conversation about these features as well as my plans for the iOS review because this whole thing is forcing me to change my plans. We're going to talk about that. So the features that have been pushed to iOS 13.1 are the ability to share an ETA using maps. Uh, this was removed from 13, now in 13.1. Shortcuts automations uh, are, have come back. They are available in 13.1. The ability to run shortcuts inside the home app. So as part of HomeKit automations, you can now run uh, shortcut actions. Conversational shortcuts, as I mentioned, the ability to interact with shortcuts actions inside Siri. So things like choose from list or ask for input or even parameters from third party actions uh, in shortcuts. Those are now exclusive to uh, 13.1. If you try and do the same in iOS 13, the shortcuts app will open instead, as in iOS 12. Um, audio sharing with AirPods. Uh, coming back in 13.1. Um, and then there's a new features. Oh, and also I think I spotted um, the new gesture to uh, select multiple items in a table view. So for example, messages in mail or notes in the notes app. Mm -hmm. uh, in theory, you should be able to do that by just swiping on them with two fingers. So put two fingers on the screen, swipe down or up, and you select multiple items instead of having to hit edit and then select them. In 13.1, this gesture behaves as Apple promised in that you can just put two fingers down and select the items. In 13 beta 8, uh, you still need to you still needed to tap the edit button first and then swipe with two fingers to select. So that gesture uh, is a little smoother, a little more intuitive in 13.1. There's also new features that are not part of iOS 13, but that will be part of iOS 13.1, at least in, in the first beta. There's new icons for HomeKit accessories, new animations for HomeKit accessories, which look really nice. Um, you can create an SSH key in shortcuts. So if you want to connect to a server, you don't want to use a password, you can now create a key 
using RSA and that other method, EA something, I don't remember the full name. Um, and also there's a new, so you know the new volume indicator, the new volume slider in iOS 13, that's still going to ship. It's nice. Uh, it's very nice. Thank goodness they got something in. Still going to ship, still going to ship in 13, <laughs> but Woo! in 13.1 you're going to get uh, sort of a multiple custom flavors depending on the accessory that you're controlling the volume for. Ooh. So when you when you change the volume on the AirPods, the slider is going to have an AirPods icon. When you change the volume on the HomePod, it's going to have a HomePod icon. There's custom icons for different types of Beats headphones. It looks really nice. Um, and that's about pretty much everything that I found in 13.1. I have so many questions, Federico. So many questions. Okay. So you said I was 13. You believe, you know, dev beta 8. I think it's public beta 7. That feels like what iOS 13.0 is going to be. Clearly, Apple had to move the goalpost to get that done, right? So mm. I guess our assumption is that 13 is required for the new phones, that whatever new stuff is required for these these new phones in a couple of weeks. They can't backport that to 12, and they, they want to launch with a new version number, as they've always done. Mm-hmm. That all makes sense to me, but it does raise questions in my mind about may, maybe did Apple bite off more than it could chew in this release, or does it say something about like the speed of Apple's software development cycle? Like, What is, in your mind, what's like the big lesson here in you know them splitting so much stuff out of 13 and pushing it down the road a little bit because they've done this before right it's like group facetime Mm. is uh, an example iMessage in the cloud was an example i think the year before that uh big headline features they got pushed to a later release they've done this before but it seems like almost anything good in 13 is not actually going to be in 13 it'll be in 13 one i don't know what what do you walk away thinking about thinking about Mm -hmm. that I guess that in you know for the things that I can say uh because there's there's conversations going on right yeah, you know when you when you know you know when you have friends that work at Apple you sort of you try and and gain some of the background knowledge uh so there are you know things that 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 I wouldn't want to repeat on the show but my general sense is that um it is part of that it is as you say sort of uh, you know, Apple over-promised a little uh, for some features that clearly needed more time. For example, the Maps ETA or the shortcuts automations and all that kind of stuff. I think it's sort of a, a sign of how sometimes, you know, when 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 managers make decisions and they they don't have a clear sense maybe of all the ramifications that the decisions have in terms of shipping features on time. Um, and I think maybe someday we'll, you know, uh, we will be able to talk about how some of these features are, you know, the main problem was a, a lack of communication between teams at Apple. And the reason why uh, maybe, you know, maybe some actions got removed from shortcuts because maybe the communication between the different teams involved um, prevented that, uh, prevented those actions from shipping. Um, I think... What I walk away with is that app that you know having a plan, um, a solid plan for which features to ship on time continues to be an exercise for Apple. They're not perfect at this. I think they, you know, compared to last year, where some features got pushed back to 
12.4, if I'm not mistaken, or 12.3. Um, I think we, you know, I think, the, you know, having most of them, if not all of them, come back by the first point update, I think that's a good sign. So maybe Apple didn't plan exactly right, but they still overall did better than the iOS 12 cycle. And mm-hmm. I want to see... They were see, closer to the mark. They were closer than last year. And I want to see... I, I get the sense that 13.1 may come sooner than 12.1 did. I have a feeling that we won't have to wait 45 days for it to ship after 13 does. But is that a week? Is that, you know, two weeks? I don't think it's going to be a day one patch, as some people are calling it. So the day one patch, this is a common term in the video game industry where uh, a video game maker has to submit a version of the game for you know approval purposes and to get it printed on discs or stuff like that. But then they, they, they have already started working on the first patch of the game. So as soon as you put the disc in... Um, you're required to go through a day one patch because the the physical version that you have uh, requires an update that has already been released digitally uh, through servers. Mm-hmm. And the idea here would be that fi- the in the case of Apple, we don't have physical disks, but we have physical phones. And those phones may have an outdated version of iOS 13. I don't think Apple has the time to ship a day one patch, especially because they... And it wouldn't make sense to do it as 13.1 anyway. It would just exactly. be 13. Exactly. So uh, I think we're going to have to wait, but maybe not as long as in previous years. Though right now, that's just my interpretation of things that I hear, you know, through the through the air, uh, through birds. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I, I feel optimistic, even though this whole thing basically, I don't want to say destroyed my plans, but it wasn't, it was a quite a day yesterday but does 13 itself the 13 like beta 8 or whatever that i don't even know if anybody can even beta test anymore because 13.1 seems to have just like swallowed up the dev channel does that feel has that felt like it was in a releasable state before the 13.1 beta uh, it is in a releasable state but it's um it's not as it's not as good as 12 Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. 12.0 i think um which you know part of the problem for me right now is um having to revise some of the some of the impressions that i that i shared in for example the performance section of my of my review that i already wrote uh uh, because now I'm dealing with a version that is not out yet, and I was under the assumption that things would still get better before the final release. And I think th- one of the big features that we didn't mention, and one of the reasons that uh, also Apple was able to sort of pull back from new features and release 13 in this state, is they have completely reversed the new file format of iCloud Drive. Um, early in the iOS 13 beta cycle, they upgraded iCloud Drive to a new format. They actually changed the path in the file system for the application document folders. Um, And that change allowed for at least two features that Apple promised as coming to files. Um, 
the ability to pin a file so that it would always stay cached on your device, downloaded offline. And the second major feature, shared folders. So collaborative folders in iCloud Drive. But because Apple had to reverse and go back to the older iCloud Drive format, those features have been pulled. They're still not part of iOS 13.1. And that, I would say, is, the, is where Apple really, I think, messed up their timeline. Because all those other features, you know, the shortcuts automations, Maps ETA, audio sharing, conversational shortcuts, even though it is, you know, it's not ideal that they were promised as coming with the first version, they're still coming within a relatively short time frame, I would say. But the files changes. The fact that they're not in 13.1 beta 1 makes me suspicious of the fact that maybe we'll have to wait longer, if not until next year, which that would be bad. You know, uh, shared folders and, and uh, pinning files in iCloud Drive, those were highly anticipated features especially the shared folders. And it would be, wouldn't be, you know, would be bad for Apple having to wait until iOS 14 in 2020. Yeah, that would be sad. Sad for everybody. You know, one thing, you, you mentioned this, but I kind of want to, to rewind just for a second. The idea of like the, the day one patch. Apple does have to put some software on these phones that are in factories, right? And if this mm-hmm. phone is going to ship, you know, in three weeks, like we think it's going to, you know, the cutoff for like a beta isn't when the phone ends up at your doorstep. It's when the phones are like done yeah. in a factory. And so Apple's deadline for iOS 13, I don't know when it is. I'd imagine it's soon if it hasn't, you know, maybe that was a factor in getting this ready. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think we will see 13.1 pretty quickly, probably not on day one, but I would imagine within, you know, the first seven to 10 days, maybe we see we see this roll out. It, it's weird, but I guess Apple would prefer to do this over shipping something that's like really buggy on brand new phones, right? Like they don't they don't want to do that. And if they're stuck with not being able to use twelve, this is maybe their only option. And uh, I'm sure that was a difficult decision to make, but probably the right one in the long run. So what is this doing to your review then? Are you gonna st- are you pulling out the thirteen point one? features for review or are you going to be including those because it is like technically iOS 13 anyway? I will be including them. Uh, My current plan is to launch, uh, is to publish the review the day that iOS 13.0 comes out but still uh, cover features coming to 13.1. Maybe not to the same extent as the features actually available uh, that day in 13 but still cover them and, and talk about them because I feel like they were part of the original iOS 13 plan. And I, again, I get the sense that they will be coming back sooner rather than later. Uh, so I think it makes sense for me to cover them. It does add, all of this though, adds a layer of complication to the review that I did not foresee. Uh, so as I mentioned, um I will have to explain up front, for example, how the review was primarily written and tested while using iOS 13.0 beta, 
but towards the end of the process I upgraded to 13.1. I will have to explain how that is still in beta, how that is still not out, and I will have to um, explain the small differences between iOS 13.0 and iOS 13.1 and, and, and find a clear way to communicate this is what you're getting today, this is what you're getting, for example, in two weeks. Let me give you an example. Uh, on the iPad in Apple Music, in, in 13, the now playing screen opens as a floating panel uh, at the side of the music app. It looks like a floating panel. Uh, it's, it's, it's detached from the top edge. It's detached from the bottom edge of the screen, but it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually let, let you grab it and move it across the screen. It's fixed in position. It's weird. It looks like a floating panel, but it doesn't actually float. Um, in 13.1, they have changed the design slightly so that it doesn't, it doesn't look like a floating panel anymore. It's uh, completely attached to the bottom uh, section of the toolbar. Uh, and this is a small difference, but it's something that I gotta explain um, because the, the people reading my review will probably have 13.0 on the day that 13 comes out. And on that version, that floating panel looks weird. But I already know that it's going to look not weird as much when 13.1 comes out. So there's a lot of consideration that I, I got to go through. You know, all the difference that I find, I'm keeping a list in reminders right now and try and have mentions of things like, oh, by the way, in a month, or if Apple gives me a release date, you know, I expect... I would like them to share a 13.1 release date at the iPhone event, if possible. But I will be able to, th to say things like, on September 30th or whatever, with the 13.1 update, this feature will look different. So mm -hmm. I was not expecting to do this. Uh, and of course, you know, in the shortcut section, I will cover um, conversational shortcuts. I will cover automations. But I need to be mindful of... How many examples do I want to share for something that is technically not out yet and most people will not be able to use it because they don't want to install the beta, but it's still important to talk about because it's part of a bigger story around iOS 13. So that, um, of course, the fact that I'm running behind schedule doesn't help, but it's something that, you know, it, it'll get done, as always. I think that's the right way to handle it because... Other than this time gap, however long it is, 13.0 and 13.1, those details are going to be lost to time, right? If someone's reading this in six months or a year, right, then it it doesn't really matter. Which is probably going to take them that long to read it because it's uh, it's not small. It's that's that's my... true. And so I think the uh, so I think the balance of sorting out 13.0 and 13.1, you know. It's important, but I don't think it's like something that you should totally like destroy the next you know, the next several weeks of your life over either. Which is going to happen anyway, but true, still, sure, yeah, uh, yeah. We know you, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I I just want to warn uh, listeners in that you may recall when I was younger and innocent two months ago. Really, I thought that <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought that my review would be the shortest one. I've mm -hmm. ever made. Well, let me tell you. Having two operating systems in the same review doesn't make it shorter. 
it makes it double <laughs> what it usually is. Uh oh, <laughs> this is news. Wait a second. Uh, What's happening? Uh, it happened that I thought, you know, there's so much overlap between iOS and iPadOS. I can write a small review. You know, I can make it smaller than in previous years, shorter, more compact. I'm happy that I think I was able to move away from the technical language and the technical jargon and all the API discussion as much as possible. There's very, very little API talk or framework talk in this review. It is very conversational. It's it's based on experience. It's on the same style of my Beyond the Tablet story from May. But there are just so many changes in, uh, in iOS 13 and iPadOS that I completely misunderstood the scope of the story. And this will be the most extensive, longest review I've ever done, by far. Oh. Um, it's wow. going to be the biggest thing I've ever done, really. Oh, um, dear. Oh, boy. It is... Um, it is uh it's it's massive but and and this is considering how the Mac stories team is helping me with all those stories that we've been publishing on Mac stories we needed them because i will not be able to cover those features in my review so sidecar maps signing with apple those features are not covered in the review still it's the longest you know, deepest, and I think hopefully best one that I've done to date. I'm really happy with what I'm doing so far, but it's a lot of work, and I'm still writing some chapters. I, I, I'm very happy with the fact that I decided to save the shortcuts chapter for last. Imagine if I had to write the whole thing when automations were not available, and I thought that 13... Point oh was going to be the only version shipping. Um, I'm going to finish the shortcuts chapter this week, and there's a you know at that point there will be uh, the the grab bag chapter and the conclusion left to do. So I'm shooting for middle of next week to finish writing everything. Uh, I'm already editing the review, of course, uh, and I'm and I'm getting some excellent help from from Ryan. Uh, uh, obviously, like every year. Uh, so I'm writing a day, editing at night, but the whole thing um, is just massive. And I and I switched text editors. Uh, yesterday, I moved from drafts to IA Writer because I need to speed up the process of, of collecting screenshots and including screenshots in the review. Um, so I'm using the same method that I used back in May uh, for the Beyond the Tablet story. Um, there's going to be, of course, you know, fancy videos and animations. We're working on some, actually some visual changes for the review itself. New formatting tools, new new, new elements. Because you just can't, just can't stop yourself, can you? You can't, can't stop yourself from doing that every year. Every year you say, no, nah, I'm not going to do any of that. And then there you go, doing it again. But I'm really, I'm really, I'm, pushing myself maybe a little too too much right now 
but also I don't want to complain too much because I, I, I love doing this. I am stressed. It's a weird, you know, I have a weird combination of feelings right now. I am incredibly stressed and tired, but I also love what I'm doing. So it's, you know, it's like I'm, I'm punishing myself, but I also love doing that with text, um, not with anything else. Um, so yeah, uh, 13.1, big change. I will have to revise the things that I say in certain places, but I think it's doable and I think it's the right call to include it. We'll see. All right. We're going to talk about Apple's changes to the Siri privacy uh, framework. I don't know. The Siri privacy stuff. We're going to talk about that after I tell you about our third sponsor, DoorDash. Whether you're super focused at work or having a chill day and forgot to do your meal prep, you still need to eat, and with DoorDash, you can have dinner from your favorite restaurant delivered right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want, and have your food delivered to you wherever you are. Your favorite pizza place, or in my case, favorite taco place, probably already on DoorDash because there are over a quarter of a million restaurants in over 3,000 cities listed in the app. That's door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, so you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Cheesecake Factory, etc. We've been using DoorDash, like I said, favorite taco place is on there, and so I can be busy in the studio at work and have lunch delivered. Super easy. It tells you what's going on in the app so you know when to expect it. It's, uh, It's really useful and really easy to use. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code CONNECTED. That's $5 off your first order when you download DoorDash from the App Store and use the promo code CONNECTED when you sign up in the app. Download it now and start planning your dinner. Don't forget the promo code CONNECTED gets you $5 off your first order. Our thanks to DoorDash for their support of CONNECTED and all of Relay FM. Okay, we need to talk about uh, a story. We missed the first part of the story because it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a regular episode. But at the end of July, The Guardian reported that Apple was employing contractors to listen to audio samples from failed Siri interactions. So uh, what was going on is Siri, uh, Apple was recording Siri conversations. So it would have audio from individuals, including when Uh, Siri was falsely triggered, and contractors were listening to those and comparing them with computer-generated transcripts to understand uh, what was happening with Siri, why it was misfiring, or why it was misunderstanding. Uh, Users were not alerted to this. It was on for everyone. Apple said data about the users' names, locations, Apple ID, etc. were not part of the review. But The Guardian, if you read that original article, people were listening to some pretty private things. And uh, it's not great. Uh, The company at the time commented that it was a very small random subset of of these things. Less than 1% of daily Siri activations were used for grading, uh, typically only a few seconds long. We now know in Apple's press release today, which we're going to talk about, it's actually 0.2% of of interaction. So a very small number. But if you think about how many times, I I can't even imagine how many times Siri must be activated a day. That, That is a whole lot of audio being shared with contractors. And uh, and so this has kind of been in the news. After this story came out, Apple said that it was pausing the 
uh, Siri grading program until it could figure out what it needed to do. And today, Apple is back with changes they say they are making to this program. And uh, I think I'm going to run through these real quick, and then we can kind of talk about uh, what we think. So first, coming in a, uh, a future software update, users will opt in to this program. And the default will be that Apple no longer retains audio recordings of Siri interactions. So if you do nothing after this future update, and I, they didn't clarify what that would be, if it'd be Catalina and iOS 13, if we'll get a point update some point down the road, uh, whatever it is, after that update is out, if you do nothing, Apple will not keep audio recordings of your Siri interactions. However, you can opt in uh, to them keeping those those audio tran- those audio files. However, Apple will continue to use computer-generated transcripts to help Siri improve. That cannot be opted out of. If you use Siri, those interactions could become uh, computer-generated transcripts for use later by the company. Uh, Apple has also uh, moved this from a contractor service to in-house employees. That costs some 300 contractors their jobs in Ireland, which is not great. Oh, uh, maybe there was a way Apple could have hired some of those folks. Maybe they did, but still a lot of people out of work, which is uh, never a good thing. Um, but it's it's in-house now. And this this is like a gateway to a bigger conversation I don't really want to have today. But uh, Casey Newton of The Verge has been doing some really great reporting on Facebook and how their content moderation team very often are made of a contractors. And they're not employees. They don't get benefits. And that that's a practice across Silicon Valley that is pretty gross. And I think I think everyone should change, but again, we're going to leave that today. Uh, so your opt-in for audio recordings, computer-generated transcripts will still be on for everybody, and um, the grading process will will be suspended until this update is out and users start to opt in. So they're not turning this back on the way it was. They're going to be using the uh, the new system. So there's a bunch of links in the show notes about this. The original reporting. Uh, reporting today, Apple's press release, a K-Base article about uh, what Siri grading actually is. Because look, you know, we all know that all the voice assistants, but maybe Siri in particular, it it struggles sometimes, and they're using this real-world data to improve it. I understand that need, but I think Apple went too far in what they were doing to improve it. And uh, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Mike, uh, what about you? Well, I mean, they got caught with the tail between their legs. Like the original, very, very original comment that Apple gave to the Guardian, they were kind of like, yeah, no worries. Like, we're just going to keep doing it. It's not a problem. And then it started to get kind of get a storm started to get kicked up, really. And then they have had to backtrack over this in multiple ways, right? Like then they were giving additional statements. Then they said they were going to stop it. And now they've basically apologized and they're going to change it. They're doing the right thing. Like I, I have no, you know, like the the, the uh, computer generated transcripts, that is a bit better. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they're actually used, right? Because like, I, I, that's just like a thing where like, okay, but if all the text is going to go, is it any different? Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see how they're going to use that. I find that to be peculiar that it can't be opted out of, right? That like yeah. there's always going to be some element of my speech sent to Apple if I use Siri. I don't think that I have to give them that. Like, I don't think that I need to be responsible for making their software better. Like I don't know why I as a customer or every single customer must give their information to make software better like it, it, that just seems like a strange 
thing to me, but this is at least better than what they were doing. Um, but like, you know, do, do you know, Stephen, like how that, how those generated computer generated transcripts are used? Like, are they good? Does it say if they're going to be given to people to look at? Yeah. So the, the grading will continue with the opt-in audio if you decide to do that. Uh, but also these automatically generated transcripts. So they will go to now employees, not contractors, uh, in the Siri grading process. And I feel the way you feel about this. Like, I don't love it. You know, the, the Guardian article, if you go and read it, you know, it says uh, these interviewees that the Guardian had said that, you know, people can listen to like intimate moments in someone's house and that sort of thing. So like that sort of thing on a transcript is maybe less impactful, but I think that there should be a way for people to understand what actually is being sent. And I don't know how you do that. So from the knowledge base, it says computer-generated transcripts are used to improve Siri and its reliability. These transcripts are used in machine learning training to improve Siri, determine common usage patterns, and update language and understanding models. The transcripts may also be used to resolve critical problems that affect Siri reliability. By default, Apple will no longer retain audio, blah, blah, blah. Computer-generated transcripts of your audio requests may be used to improve. These transcriptions are associated with a random identifier, not your Apple ID, for up to six months. If you do not want transcripts of your Siri audio recordings to be retained, you can disable Siri and dictation in settings. So some of the basics of this are not changing, but they are making parts of it better, right? Like the fact that it's not going to be contractors, so maybe they can do more about the way that things will be shared. Um, they're clarifying a little bit more about uh, maybe maybe loosening some of the ways that they were, some of the information they were assigning, because the Guardian story mm-hmm. made it seem like they were assigning way more than just this random identifier. And it does. Apple's not being, you know, they're not saying what else they're, they're keeping. But it is just like a, you know... It, if a machine is reading this information and it's getting better and then that's it, I'm fine with it. But there is still a part of me that's like, yeah, but like, do I have to be your test case? Like, right. And, and I know how this stuff works, but it's still a little bit like, oh, so now I can't use Siri if I don't want to do that, which is still a strange thing. But they are at least tightening up a lot of the other problems that I had around this where Apple were really kind of defensive initially and they have now... Done. They have now made changes that are more in line with their typical stance around privacy, which the original case was that was not it at all. Yeah, I mean, Apple just blew this, right? Like saying they got caught between their tail between their legs, like is is an understatement. They they and they say they they get to this in their press release, but Apple says it has a certain standard and that this program didn't live up to that. And I think it's much closer to that now. But yeah, this bit about the transcripts, I think, deserves more explanation and and maybe even some examples from Apple of like, this is what these sorts of things look like. Because without that, it's just like up to our imagination what they're capturing, right? And then uh, that, I think, is something they still need to tidy up a little bit. Uh, Federico, you live in a house full of HomePods. Uh, has this made you reconsider y- your use of Siri or or uh, are you still comfortable with it? There's an answer that I would like to give, but it it's not it's not a good answer for a public podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to frame it in a way that doesn't make me sound like an idiot. I know that I should, right? Um, get upset about it, but it's just I I... <laughs> 
I think Apple is doing the right thing here, and I think it was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a scandal or not, but I think I'm happy that they, they were called out on it, and I'm happy that they're making changes. I, I just didn't get upset about it because I didn't have the time to get upset about it. I just, it happened while I was on vacation, and I. And I just, I was, my, my gut reaction was, yeah, whatever, this will get fixed. I, I don't particularly worry about the fact that somebody listened to my queries because I, I know how I use my HomePods, right? I know that I use them to play music and uh, save reminders, and stuff like that. I don't send messages with Siri because I my accent is terrible for sending messages. Uh, you know, in you know, with Siri, it doesn't pick up most of the words correctly. Um, yeah, exactly. See, just Siri just activated on my on my HomePod. Right, and that's the problem. It's not the for me. It was my problem was never right. sharing with Siri what I'm asking, like sharing of Apple what I'm asking Siri. It was how many times my HomePod is collecting information that I never knew it was collecting because I didn't ask it. Right, right. And I get it, and I get it, and you're totally right. And I know that this is how any belief of privacy dies. It dies when when people just stop caring about it. I'm, I'm just saying that in another period of the year, I would have gotten upset about it. I didn't because it was the summer. It's okay to have priorities. Like, it's perfectly fine. And I just... No, I feel bad because I feel like there's an expectation when you're, you know, to some degree a public figure commenting on on technology, Mm -hmm. in this case Apple. It is sort of your responsibility to... to, um, We talked about this before, to have an opinion, to have a stance on on something that happens. Mm -hmm. But if you just ask me personally, as Federico, were you concerned... I wasn't because I was on vacation. And that is my completely honest answer. My professional answer is it, it was upsetting and I'm glad that Apple is fixing it. It seems like they're doing all that they're supposed to do. Maybe they should be doing more. And I'm curious to see, you know, from a design standpoint, what the permission will actually look like. Will they be displayed during setup? Will they be communicated clearly? Uh, just like today's press release and FAQ is communicated very clearly. It's it's written in plain English. It's you know it reads like something that Steve Jobs would write. You know I I I I remember how Steve Jobs used to communicate. You know with those public open letters on Apple.com used to communicate things very yep. clearly in yep. plain English. And this in this letter, this apology is in that style. It's explained very concisely. So I think Apple is doing the right thing here. I want to see what it'll look like in settings, what it'll look like in setup. Will it be hidden so that most people will not find the option? I don't know. But personally speaking, I and and as you, you know, I wasn't even on podcasts. I was on vacation. I didn't write about it on Mac stories. I wasn't particularly concerned because it happened at the at the wrongest time for me in the summer. Uh, but in if it happened, say in March, I would have been all over this. But sometimes you got priorities, and so you know, sometimes you're at the beach and you don't have time to worry about you know digital assistant privacy. And that's my honest answer. All right. I think think that does it for this week. 
Uh, if you want to find links to the stuff we talked about, they're on the web, relay.fm slash connected slash 258, or in your podcast app of choice. While you're at our website, you can do a couple of things. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up, and then there's links also to our Twitter profiles. You can follow Mike on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, Mike is the host of many shows here on Relay FM, so you can go check those out. Federico, who is back, he's on Twitter at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, the future home of the iOS 13 review. <laughs> if you're bored this evening, go read the iOS 10 review. It's out there. Go. Go learn about iOS 10. You really got to go far back there. You could, you could, 12 would have been fine. <laughs> oh, you know. I was thinking, what was the first okay. one? Eight? Nine. 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 Yeah. Go read the iOS 9 review and see how far we've come. You can follow me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write at 512pixels.net. I think our sponsors, Eero, Hello, and DoorDash. Until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Go to stjude.org slash connected. Bye-bye. Adios.